0: Welcome to the Get a Job, Here's How podcast, the practical how-to guide for women returning to the workforce, recent grads, and those looking to get the job of their dreams. Now, here's the founder of the Back to Business Women's Conference and your host, Katie Dunn. Welcome to the Get a Job, Here's How podcast. I'm Katie Dunn, founder and CEO of Back to Business and your host. I'm here to help you get a job, and I'm not just going to share advice on our topic in each episode. I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it, because here's how are two of my favorite words. It's get a job. Here's how. Let's get started. Hi, listeners. This is Katie. I'm really excited for our show this morning because we're going to talk about something that everybody should know how to do if you are in the job market and yet nobody really thinks they're good at. And that is negotiating an offer. To help me walk through this discussion, I am here with Coach Vicki Bevenauer. Vicki's an executive career coach with expertise in personal branding, communicating with strength, leadership presence, and negotiation. Coach Vicki is the president of the RDW Group, and the author of Unleashing Your Inner Leader, An Executive Coach Tells All. So RDW stands for Results Derived From Within, and that represents Vicki's belief that everyone has a powerful leader inside of them, which also happens to be the premise of her book. So Vicki's here with me today, and we're gonna talk about negotiating your job offer. Even in a global pandemic, you can and should negotiate your job offer. Now, most of us know that we should do that, but we feel like we don't know how to do it because negotiation seems like something only wheelers and dealers do, but it's not. It's something you should do. So Vicki, hello, and thank you for being here on the show with me today. Hello, Katie. Thank you so much for
1: having me, especially to talk about one of my most favorite subjects.
0: Excellent. So this has actually become a favorite subject of mine, too. And I think that's because originally I always thought this was so daunting and such a difficult thing to do. And you should only attempt it if you really know how to do it and you're an expert in this but I've really since evolved my thinking on that because I realized there are some steps that you can learn to become good at this. And you're the real expert. So to start off, tell us who should negotiate? Katie, in my mind,
1: everyone should negotiate. And I really say that for two reasons. Number one, what would it be like if you took a job and you found out later on that one of your peers got a signing bonus? or you found out later on that one of your peers was enabled to go to a conference that was counted towards a certification that he or she was working on. So that's the first thing is we really wanna make sure that we are getting everything that everybody else is getting. Number two, if you are hired by a company, you have a fiduciary responsibility with that company in order to get the best deal for that company. So why wouldn't we not acknowledge and demonstrate that we will, in fact, get the best deal both for the company you're going to work for and for yourself?
0: Great point. Yeah, I often tell people when they are nervous about negotiating that it's definitely something they could do because they were hired for their business skills And this is a great way to really make the company feel like, yes, we made a good decision because a really important business skill is the skill of negotiation. And so if you, if you try to negotiate an offer, you are basically demonstrating to them that they made a good call because you know how to negotiate and you're not afraid to do it. All right. So we're in some weird times here with COVID, and a lot of job losses, high unemployment numbers. And some people feel like when they get a job offer, they're just grateful to get it. And particularly maybe if you're somebody who is returning to work after a career break, you might feel like you just needed this one shot to get back into the workforce, and you've been offered that shot. And so turning around and asking for more than they've offered, it maybe doesn't seem like a great strategy. So what do you think, Vicky? in these times, is negotiating still a smart thing to be doing? I don't want to make
1: light of the pandemic. Yes, we have all been through a lot of awful things. With that being said, I will tell you that I have had three clients who have changed jobs during this pandemic. Two of them, the kind of deal was in the works, but they definitely did the negotiation during the height of the pandemic. The other one was a very quick change, and she also negotiated. So I I think the rules very much still hold. And let me go back to the interview process. If you interview correctly, then people will already know what your worth is. So I have two suggestions. Number one is I have a a colleague who for years has said there are no interviews. There are only business evaluation meetings where you are evaluating the business for a fit for you and the business is evaluating you for a fit for them. So, what has happened is you've had this negotiation, you've had this evaluation meeting, and how many of those have all of us had in our business lives? And now it comes time to negotiate the price. So, at this point, everybody understands what value you are bringing to the organization. And there are times when an organization might expect and very much expect the negotiation. So I want people to really put this in a business mindset professional scenario. You have negotiated, you have, uh, you have evaluated, you realize that both of you are a good fit. Now you are simply negotiating the price, which is the last step. But in some ways, I want people to think of it as not quite as stressful or not quite as important because when you negotiate and you get the job offer, they already love you.
0: Yes, that's such a good point. I love that. At the time that they make the offer, they have probably taken multiple candidates through an interview process and they've settled on you. And what they want to do is close that deal quickly. And so if you are asking for something, it is in their best interest to accommodate you as much as they possibly can. I think that's a great point. You kind of have the power at that point, right? When the offer is made. I'd like to comment on that real quickly,
1: Katie. Yes, the the minute the offer is made is when you have the most power. So you don't try to negotiate prematurely. And I think a little later on, we'll talk about how we talk about salaries and whatever, but you don't try to negotiate prematurely, but also I have had too many people who have just been so exhausted through the evaluation process, and I hear these words over and over again. They will say, Vicki, I'm just going to take the job, and then in six months, I'm going to ask them for more. And I just shudder when I hear that because you're giving away the moment that you have the most power, and in six months, you will not have the most power. If I don't convince anybody of anything else today, I want to convince people that negotiation is important because that is your moment of power, and if you give that away, you're giving away your moment of power.
0: Yes, great point. Timing is everything in a negotiation. Yes, so we, when you, and I love the idea of interviews as business evaluation meetings, that's really a smart way to think about it. And when we talk about negotiating, is it just compensation that people negotiate or are there other things that people can negotiate as well at the time that they are given a job offer?
1: Yes. So compensation or salary is just one piece of the negotiation. There is a list of many things that you could negotiate. The top five are salary, vacation, position or grade level, benefits, or a bonus, whether it be a sign-on bonus or a performance bonus. And one quick note about a performance bonus. I I love it when some of these people that are extending offers will say, oh, Katie, this is fabulous, and we can offer you up to 30% performance bonus. That means nothing. So what we have to really ask questions about is, so somebody who has been in my position for the past three years, what has been their bonus history? And if they, only, if they say, oh, we had a crazy year these last two years and the bonus was only 5%, that gives you a much better indication of what your factual, actual bonus could be. So those are the top five. And I always suggest... That you really only negotiate three items. More than three items, it gets a little bit crazy. So you really have to think about which are the three items that are most important to you. Let me, though, give you the second tier of items. I'm just going to rattle these off as a list. You can negotiate a different title. You can negotiate a different office, location, or work from home, specifically now with COVID. You can negotiate tuition reimbursement, and that's for either a degree program or a certificate program. You can negotiate a flexible schedule, a cell phone paying for some of your um, equipment when you are working from home, training, stock options, parking travel I spent a lot of my corporate career in Washington dc and I tell you having that parking space under the building back in the days when we went into work every single day was a five hundred dollar a month perk think about some of these other things that might really be perkful for you
0: that's a great that's a great point because I think we tend to focus on the salary but all of these other things impact your finances your wallet, what you're directly taking home and what you're needing to spend in order to be effective in the job. So that's a really good point. Also, if you have a company that for whatever reason is locked into a specific salary range and therefore isn't able to give much on the salary front, I love the idea of then moving down the list and looking at some of these other things, deciding which of them are important and focusing your negotiation tactics around those things. So Katie, Mm -hmm. if I may, you make a great
1: point with that. In the past, I have had some people, you have to do your homework and you really have to understand the salary levels for the titles that you have. So many companies have one title and three or four levels, or it'll be a project manager one, project manager two. So sometimes it sounds silly to say, let's negotiate title, but sometimes, and I had it happen, where if you negotiate to go to the next level, then everything else falls into place because at this level, you're in a different salary class. At this level, you get different benefits. At this level, you get different vacation. At this level, you get other different options. Uh, I will never forget it. I once had a woman who I was negotiating with at Cisco and she was going to be interfacing with really high level customers. And our negotiation strategy was she came in and she said, what made you size this job at level one rather than level two? And they said, we went back and forth about that. And she said, it's my request and opinion that if you have me dealing with super high level customers, I really need to be at this next level. And so that was the whole negotiation. It had nothing to do with numbers. It had nothing to do with, I need a better salary. I need a better bonus. It had everything to do with, and here's the key. It had everything to do with the company needs to give her the tools by which she needs to do her job. And in this case, the tool was the salary, uh, was the title. So smart.
0: And probably by bumping to a different title and level. There was more compensation, there was more of all the good stuff that we want when we take a job. So, brilliant, and that's just a great way to look at it, instead of focusing strictly on the salary or the compensation, just by coming at that from a different angle, she managed to get everything she needed to be successful. Love that. Very good. So you mentioned something earlier that about knowing your value. I love that phrase. And I'm wondering, how does one do that? How do you figure out what is the right range? What am I worth to this company in this role? And use that as a starting point for negotiation. Okay. So let me jump back
1: a little bit first to the, again, interview process. If you interview appropriately, you are really going to set yourself up for a a good negotiation. So if I want to buy you, Katie, to put it very bluntly, there's a couple of things I want to know about you. One of the biggest things I need to know about you is what can you do for me? What is it that you do? What are your results? So every single one of us in the past has had some fabulous results that we almost dismiss or almost take as ordinary or almost take as part of our jobs. And so I really suggest to people as they're getting ready for their interview process to make a list of 20 successes that they had in the past. Project XYZ, working with Joe, working with Susie. And then for each of these success stories, write the actual story of the success in this format. What was the challenge? What was the situation? What was the problem? What was the issue? So what was the challenge? What was the specific action that you took? And then what was the result? So I call these your car stories, C-A-R, challenge action results. This is hard, this is not easy, but I will explain why it is so worthwhile. If you write up these car stories, go back and English edit it down to no more than five sentences. So you can say it pretty quickly in an interview and you don't drone on, total side note, people who are poor at interviews talk a lot and say nothing. So with your cars, you will be, every word that comes out of your mouth will be pithy and will be relevant. So your car stories need to be no more than five sentences, and please put a number in that result. There are only so many business numbers that one can have. We increase profit, we decrease expenses, we improve time by some kind of automation process. We improve productivity, we improve customer satisfaction. And so my real recommendation for that result piece is a from X to Y in Z time. So the process used to take six weeks. After three months of development, I moved that process to taking two weeks. So from six weeks to two weeks in a three month development time. Now, for some of your women returning to work, I know that they're just already gonna be freaky about this. Like, what have I done? No, 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 no. You have done a lot. You just need to sit and think about it. Have you been part of the PTA? Have you been working with some of your kids' schools? Have you been volunteering in a hospital? All of that stuff counts if you make a result there. So if you were volunteering at the PTA and the membership, the year that you were in charge of membership went from 100 to 150 in one year, that's what you need to put down. Okay, if you were volunteering in a hospital and amount of volunteer hours increased from blah blah to blah blah in six months. You started a special program and the special program increased over time. So while these are hard, and and I suggest that people do it with friends and colleagues with whom they've worked, this is huge. And the reason I bring this up is once you have your 20 car stories. The results become the bullet in your resume. The car stories become the stories you talk about when you network and when you interview. And these car stories are your career currency. Nobody can take these away from you. This is your career currency. This is what you have done. And so you're gonna walk into that negotiation and you're going to say, Ms. Potential Manager, as we've talked about in my interview, this is what I have done. This is precisely what your company needs from me. And I want the same thing that you want. I want to be an active and participating member of your team. So I want you to think about, you are selling this bunch of car stories, this bunch of currency that proves to a potential employer that you can do what that employer needs for them to be successful. Then you can start talking about all of these other things. But that's the catch right there. That's your power. That's when they recognize what they are getting.
0: Love that. So you're really setting yourself up for a successful negotiation the whole time that you're interviewing here. Is what you're saying. And I love that. I love the process with CAR. I love the quantifying things. You're having the results. That's what makes people really pay attention. I think when you've not just, well, I did this and this, but I accomplished this, made this much money, saved this much money. So that's really good, really concrete stuff to show your value. And then I think the other part of showing your value, and maybe you can speak to this too, is having a good sense of what an acceptable salary range would be for a role and how does one determine that? Yes, yes. So we definitely need to do lots
1: and lots of homework. So I have a couple of websites and I'm just going to read them off, but let me start with the broader picture. You have to know your numbers. In order to know your numbers, you can do website research, you can go to your network. You need to find people that work in your target company and hopefully understand the grade and the bonus and the the benefit type of scenario, okay? And if you have someone in your network that works in HR, those people are golden. They are absolutely golden. But anybody who is a manager in any company should be able to share with you the basic structure of their company's compensation plan. So if I go to my friend, Jose, and I say, Jose, I'm looking at this job description, it's a project manager too, in your RTP office, can you give me the salary structure? What are the levels? Are there more than one level for this? What are the salary ranges? That's what you're you're looking for. Some of the internet resources is obviously salary.com. A friend of mine told me about the Muse, M-U-S-E.com. And there's a couple of different pieces from the Muse. Resources you need to check out before you negotiate your salary. How to negotiate salary, 27 tips you need to know. So there's a a couple of, of pieces with the Muse. And there's also the glass door.
0: I do find glass door is a good spot. And then I've also found counterbalancing that with the like getting multiple data points so that you can come up with a good range. Just in case what you're seeing on glass door isn't exactly the right number, you it will get you in the ballpark. And then some of these other resources that you mentioned, I'm sure, can just round out the, the picture there. Because you do need to know, you do need a number or a range in mind. And speaking of that, sometimes on job applications, they ask about your salary expectations. And I think that can be a little tricky because we always wonder, if I put something and it's too low, I'm leaving money on the table. If I put something down and it's too high, they'll just throw my application out. How How do we handle that? One properly.
1: So let me give you the general rule first. The general rule of negotiation is he who says the first number loses. So I always say, and this is more in an interview, and we'll get to recruiters in a minute, but in an interview, when somebody says any kind of salary question, what are you looking for? What was your last salary, blah, blah, blah. My suggestion is that you answer the question with a question. What is the salary range for this position? Hmm. Now, let's assume that goes well, and there's a million times when it doesn't, but let's assume that goes well, then that is great. When they give you the answer, so the salary range is 100 to 150, then you can say, you can telegraph it's never going to be too high, (laughs) Um, but you can telegraph. That's a little low. So when it comes time to discuss compensation, we will have to discuss total compensation. So you're telegraphing to them that, you know, that range is not, is definitely in your low range, but you don't want to be kicked out of the job or you want to talk about different compensation. So that's the ideal way that it goes, okay? recruiters especially will not take that as an answer, but we'll get there. So if you say, what is the range for this position? And they're like, no, 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 I need a number. Don't ever give a number, give a range. So if they say, well, no, 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 I need a number. Then you say, through my research, both on the web and through networking, it seems to me that the range for this job should be 100 to 150. Is that close to what your number is? And then once again, you want to take this off the table because at that point, it is not appropriate to be talking salary. I know people need to have some kind of an answer, but that is not appropriate. Now, when you work with recruiters are going to be relentless, about knowing your salary because they don't want to spend their time, money, and effort on somebody that's going to be out of their range. So you use the same type of scenario with a recruiter. I am looking for a project two type of position in a local CRO company. The research that I have done for this position is between here and here. I would like to have a job that's at least in the middle of that range so I have room to grow. Okay. But really, my big thing is you never do a number. So back to applications. I know that these applications are online and I know that they force you to put a number in there. I have had people put numbers like XXXXX, 000099999, I mean something that is obviously not a salary, or I have had people put a range in there. 100 150. So, my the whole point here, I guess my big rule to take away here is answer the question with a question and never give a number, give a range. Those are the two big rules for
0: this. Okay. So, on the in the case where you might put down 000, would you worry that application would just get thrown out because the range doesn't make sense? So
1: always when you ask a question like that, put yourself in a um, hiring manager's position. And in a hiring manager's position, if everything else on the application really looked good, I would be intrigued to find out from this person why they did it. Uh And I would at least want to have the first interview with them. Mm -hmm. And then in the first interview, you can explain. And you could even say something like, it's my personal philosophy when interviewing with folks, never to give a number. That's way too specific, and it's very early on in the process. And so I like to talk about ranges. So once again, through my research, this is what I have found. Okay. And if you can get yourself comfortable with that, if you really can get yourself comfortable with that, it will save you a lot of heartache in the end. Did I put the right number down? Didn't I put the right number down? Oh, this way, you're exactly what your game plan is.
0: Okay, good. And that's so important, knowing what your game plan is. Um, clearly, especially in a negotiation. So uh, I read this really, one of my favorite kind of negotiating facts is that there are studies that show that when you ask for something, if you give a reason, even if it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you just give a reason, you are more likely to get what you want out of a negotiation. So for example, when you say something like, I was really hoping to be closer to 120 on this role because, and then whatever that reason is, A, that my research points to that being the appropriate number for a role like this because my experience puts me in a position where I'm gonna be really valuable to your company. Whatever that reason is, as long as you give a reason, you'll be more successful in a negotiation than if you just ask and leave it there. Um, I'm curious if you've had experience with that. I think it, it makes a lot of sense, but would love to hear your comment on that. Let me start
1: with when somebody calls you and gives you a verbal offer, the first thing you say is, thank you very much. I'm very excited about this. And could you please get that to me in writing? That's the first thing. Now, an email will do because there are some companies when they have to do, when they have to extend an offer, they have to do a lot of approvals and blah, blah, blah. But you just say an email will do, but you want to get it in writing. That's the first thing. The second thing is you say, thank you. Thank you so much. And once I get your written offer, I respectfully request 48 hours in which to review it. You have been seeing these numbers for a long time, but this is the first time that I'm seeing them. So what you do then is you underpromise and overdeliver, and you get back to them within 24 hours. And the 20 after the 24 hours, then if you can possibly do this face to face, that is the best. Next on the phone is the best. Please do not negotiate over email. Just please. Uh, yes. Yes, please. yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Do not. So the conversation will go something like this: Oh, hi, Jose. This is a great offer, and not but. This is a great offer and I have three questions for you. And once we close on those three questions, then we should be good to go. So you're telegraphing, I'm not running you along, I'm not stringing you along, three questions. So the first question is, Jose, as you know, we've talked about in the interview, this is to your point specifically, Katie, we've talked about in the interview how I've spent the last five years in process improvement in my previous company, where every project I have touched has had a positive process improvement result. I know that's what you're looking for in your team. So what is the possibility of increasing the salary by $20,000 more? You say that and you shut up. That's the other problem with negotiating. People will go, hey, because of 20,000, no. Jose, what is the possibility of getting $20,000 more in salary and you shut up?
0: Love that. And that's really hard to do, right? To just make your ask and then stop talking. Yes, you have to practice it. You really,
1: you have to practice it. But it's a very short conversation because of the, I, I want three things because of this is the first thing I want. And then you shut up. Let me say this. Most of the time, now, I have worked with about 6,000 people. And I have a 90% track record of always getting something that wasn't on the table. Okay? So I, I think I can reasonably say to you that I have some experience in this. So most of the time when you ask for that, the person will say, I'll see what I can do. I can give you one terrible example where the person said, no, that's it. Take it or leave it. But everybody else will say, I'll see what I can do. Sometimes they'll try to put you off and say, oh, that requires a vice president's approval. And you say, okay. And nothing else. Okay. (laughs) Okay. This is also now part of the evaluation process. How much is this potential manager going to fight for you? Okay. Then you say, okay, fine, Jose. I would appreciate it if you would talk to the vice president. Now let's go on to the second thing. As you know, and at one point you probably will have said this, especially if you're in a position where you're not really going to get a big increase. Jose, as you know, my current company is at the end of the fiscal year. We get our bonuses. And if I come to work for you in September, I will lose my $10,000 bonus. So what from my current company? So what is the uh, potential of you giving me a $10,000 sign-on bonus. So when you're asking for things like that, the whole game there is, Jose, I would like you to make me whole. I don't think you would want me to come to work for you and have to lose something that was mine in order to come and work for you. So can you make me whole?
0: Great. Good point. So, so to your like-
1: point, there's another
0: reason. Yeah, so you're setting this whole thing up as win-win, right? You want me to be happy. I want to be happy. Let's figure out how we make this work for everybody, which I think is a much more productive way to approach this than an adversarial or this is going to be a fight or an argument. It's just a conversation to make sure that at the end of the day, both parties are very happy with the agreement that we've reached, right? All right. I want to go back to something you said, which I think is so important, which is don't negotiate over email. I feel like you're really setting yourself up for a big fat no if you are just sending your request in over email. And it sounds like you feel pretty strongly about that too.
1: Yes. It's a lot easier to ignore an email or just come back and say, I've gotten your request and not. But when you really put somebody on the line, like we've been talking about, where you actually ask them and you stop and they have to fill in that silence. That is psychologically huge. And Katie, while you brought that up, I do have some suggestions for language to use when you're talking. Great. Okay. So suppose you have made a request and this is why it's so important to at least have your voice going on. Suppose you've made a request and you can tell the person is shocked oh, something to that mode, okay? So what you want to do in a situation like that is if you really feel they're shocked, then you can break the silence and you can say something like, Jose, I really want you to understand that I want the same thing that you want. I want to be a contributing member of this organization. That's what I call the warm blanket. If you feel as if somebody's panicking here, That's a way to calm things down, okay? Then I have two other things. I I have a bunch of others. I want the same thing that you want. What can we do to work this out? Who can make this decision? If the manager says, oh, you know, there's nobody here that can do that. There's always someone there that can do that. So who can make the decision? I understand that you have to talk with your VP, and I'm willing to wait. What's the time frame? like I'm not going to sit here and take no very subtly giving that sort of scenario but here are my two favorites here are my absolutely two favorites the one is Jose I simply have to ask is this the best is this the best salary is this the best bonus that you can offer
0: ooh I like that let's dig into that tell me why you would ask that
1: So let's say you're discussing the salary piece again. Jose, I'd like 20000 more in salary. Well, Vicki, I can tell you right now that you're just, we're not going to get that. And so, Jose, I simply have to ask, is this really the best that you can do? It's another way of asking simply one more time. Right. Um, and or I might say in between there, I might say, is there someone we could escalate this to? Is there someone else potentially that we can talk with? Because I, I really have to ask, is this the best that you can do? That's just that's a great question all the way around. And um, I have to tell a, a personal story. I was in Santa Fe in the square and the Indians were selling their silver jewelry and oh bless their souls. They're so cute and they have their kids here. And so I picked up a silver ring that I liked, and I asked the woman the price, and she said $100. And I almost didn't do it, but I'm like, I teach this stuff. I have a track record. So I looked at her very sweetly and said, I simply have to ask, is that your best price? And she said, okay, 80. (laughs) Well, that was easy. (laughs) Bingo. Bingo. (laughs) That was easy. And she's not going to let herself take money out of her pocket obviously the ring was probably in everything worth a lot less but it's just that's such a great question and you can use that all the time whenever you're out and about whenever people are thinking and talking and whatever it's a great question so again another takeaway is i simply have to ask is this the best blank you can do and then my final piece of language is so thank you, Jose, this has been great. I so appreciate you looking into the salary piece. I'm glad we were able to close on my other two pieces. And let me just leave this as a thought for you. So when you come back to me with the answers, we can discuss it a little further. Is there anything else I'm leaving on the table?
0: Ooh. All right, so you're putting the ball in their court to say, did I forget to ask for something? Is there maybe something else you know of that I don't?
1: That's exactly right. And, and my
0: point in
1: doing that is if you do take the job and six months down the way, you find somebody who negotiated working on a, a certificate and being able to take every Friday afternoon off to go attend a class or that there one is absolutely allowed to go attend this conference, blah, blah, blah. You can go back to Jose and you can say, Jose, when I was interviewing with you, I asked you if there was anything I was leaving on the table. And now I find all these people are doing all this stuff. So I think I and you don't go back unless you have a reason to go back. But when you back, then you say, so I really think I would like to have blah, 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 blah. I'd like to go to this conference. I'd like to go to this class. I'd like to work from home on Wednesday whatever the case may be, but then you're signaling to Jose, I asked you and maybe you weren't thinking about what other people had, but maybe you weren't totally honest with me. So I love leaving with that. And I would say to anybody as timid as you are, practice saying that because it's something that you never know what's going to happen with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think the practicing here is the key to the whole thing, right? Because for a lot of us, This kind of conversation, it just, it doesn't come naturally. And so the only way to get comfortable with it and to be effective at it is to practice, whether that's with your spouse or your kids or your own face in the mirror, just saying the words out loud is going to really go a long way toward making you a good negotiator.
1: Or a friend or a colleague
0: if If you have a an
1: HR friend, if you have somebody who's a manager who has interviewed a lot, that's also a great way to start.
0: Great, love that. So a lot of companies we're reading about now are into this salary transparency, <laughs> um, which I think is a really interesting concept and probably makes it a easier to know what an appropriate range is going to be for a company and a job, but also maybe takes away some of the issues of this person's making more than I am and we're in the same job. So I don't know, do you see that impacting negotiation at all? Does it mean that these companies have to really be conscious that what they're paying one person could become very public knowledge? And I don't know, What do you, does that impact negotiation at all? My client
1: base and and my kind of personal brand is I like to work with already successful people to get them to the next level. That's really my comfort zone. I'm not a remedial coach or anything like that. So my answer to you would be that many of my clients, whether the company has the salary transparency or not, went in and negotiated high salaries. I I can tell you that one of the women who got her job during the whole COVID crisis before she had negotiated an out, she was working for a middle-sized company. She had negotiated an outrageous salary. The only person that was making more than her was the CEO. Okay. And so transparency uh, doesn't happen. Now it was interesting because she had a fallout and she was one of the first to leave. So the bot or the flip side or the risk that you run with that is if you come in too high paid, which of course now we could spend you know, the next hour, which we only have five minutes, but we could spend all that time talking about older people who are making big salaries and younger people who are not. So it's really hard for a company to do that kind of transparency, especially when you have some legacy employees and then you have new folks coming in. I mean, again, the cars, the success stories, the results, the knowledge that some of these older people have just can never compare to younger folks. So the transparency thing is a little more difficult in the real world, even though I think some companies are trying to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. And it's not catching on everywhere to be sure, but seems like it's a, something of a trend, probably starting at a lot of the tech companies and the smaller companies for that matter. Okay. So tons of great stuff here. I wanted to recap a few really interesting points that you made, Vicki. First was the idea of setting yourself up for success throughout the whole interview process. And your suggestion of having the car statements, knowing what a challenge was, what action you took, and having a quantified result that you achieve. And when you do that, you set yourself up as indispensable and thus put yourself in an advantageous position when it comes time for negotiating. So that's fantastic. I love the idea of having all of those statements. You actually gave us some really good language to use. And I think that's so helpful when we're thinking about negotiation and also some great tips on how to handle the um, throwing out a first number and going with a range instead. And the idea of really taking some time to think about an offer, getting it in writing, and then going back, having practiced what you're going to say and knowing all of these things that you mentioned that we can negotiate for beyond salary. So tons of great tips. And I'm going to take one of your suggestions and ask you, um, Vicki, is there something else that I didn't ask you about negotiation that I should have? That's fabulous. Can I close
1: um, with simply a uh, book suggestion and then a couple of facts about negotiation? Absolutely. Okay, great. So there's a, a super story here. Back in the early 2000s, these two women were deans at one of the Northeastern Business Colleges. And some of the master's people would come to her and say, how come the men are allowed to do this? but we women are not. And she was horrified. She was like, let me check into it. And guess what? It turned out that it was only because the men asked. The women did not ask. So they wrote a book called Women Don't Ask. And their names, the author's names, are Linda Babcock, B-A-B-C-O-C-K, and Sarah Laschever, L-A-S-C-H-E-B-E-R. And this was a monumental book to really understand kind of the gender divide. They also had a follow-on book that's called Just Ask For It. Let me give you some facts that they had noted in their book. This is especially great for some first-time career folks. Check this. By not negotiating a first salary, an individual stands to lose more than half a million dollars at the age of 60. Wow. And men are more than four times more likely than women to negotiate that first salary. So ladies, we have to start stepping up. Another piece, 2.5 times more women than men say they feel, quote, a great deal of apprehension about negotiating. I've tried to take all of that out of this. I've tried for us to give you some facts on how to negotiate from a fact-based place and no emotion and from a business side. So I hope that this has really helped and we can move some of these statistics forward. The last two, men in the go- men initiate negotiations between two and nine times more than women. Mm-hmm. And lastly, when asked to pick metaphors for negotiations, men have picked metaphors like winning a ball game and a wrestling match, while women picked going to the dentist.
0: <laughs> so men see this as fun and a challenge and women see this as unpleasant. <laughs> Absolutely. So please, especially for the ladies out there, simply take all
1: of this advice, make it fact-based, Push yourself through the uncomfortable parts. Practice, have your words ready and get out there and ask for it and get something more.
0: Fantastic. All right, Coach Vicki Bevanauer, thank you so much for all these super tips on negotiating today. Will you just close by telling our listeners where they can find you?
1: Yes, my email, which is probably the easiest way to find me is coach, C-O-A-C-H, Vicky V-I-C-K-I-E, the number 10 at gmail.com. And my website is simply Coach Vicky, but it's V-I-C-K-I-E.com.
0: Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. And listeners, now that you know how to negotiate that offer, go do it. I believe in you. Subscribe to our email list at backtobusinessconference.com. For weekly job search advice. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Get a Job, Here's How podcast. You can find all the information from this episode in our show notes at www.backtobusinessconference.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please write a review so that we can reach more people. Now that you know how, go do
1: it.